right, welcome to your monthly special bonus edition of Strong Words with Ian Strong. I'm your host, Ian Strong, and I'd like to thank you for joining me here for yet another volume of Shot Glass Diaries that I do here on the show, where once a month, I take one of the many shot glasses that I've used to commemorate one of the many trips around the world that I've taken in my life out of one of the display cabinets in my kitchen and tell the story of that trip. And you're in for a good one today, because I'm going to be presenting one of my favorite day trips and maybe one of my favorite shot glasses of all time as I talk about the day my friend Lydia and I spent in Brussels, Belgium. Now, if you listen to Shot Glass Diaries regularly, and I hope you do, then you may remember that earlier this year I presented a two-part Shot Glass Diary chronicling my trip with Lydia to the Netherlands slash Amsterdam, and this day trip to Belgium was right in the middle of that trip. And if you haven't heard that Shot Glass Diary before this one, I highly recommend that you check that one out to get a little bit more context before this facet of the trip, which includes participating in a waffle-making workshop, a walking food tour, and so much more. But before we go to Brussels for the day, I'd just like to thank my friends at Rolling Acre and their superior-tasting CBD and CBG products for allowing me to do the rest of this Shot Glass Diary commercial-free. Regardless of whether you're a recreational or medicinal marijuana smoker, you can use Rolling Acres CBD products for things like anxiety, improving your appetite, your sleep patterns, your gluten allergy, and more, including their pet-friendly products that will treat your dogs, your cats, or your horse's anxiety and seizures. But now, Rolling Acre also has a way to treat acute muscle tension and joint issues by incorporating their CBD salve into your massage or physical therapy regimen. And if you're ready to live brighter and try it for yourself, you can get $10 off your next order simply by using the promo code STRONGWORDS on your next purchase at rolling-acre.com. Just go to rolling-acre.com or at Rolling Acre on social media to shop their selection of full-spectrum tinctures, salves, and pet-friendly products that are ready to ship in all 48 CBD legal states. And don't forget to use the promo code STRONGWORDS to get $10 off right now. And right now, after you've done that, let's go to Belgium in this Amazing, fantastic, magnifique volume of Shut Glass Diaries. So, if you're a fan of Shot Glass Diaries, and I hope you are, and assume you are if you're listening to this one, then you may remember that I told a story not too long ago in which I talked about going on a European excursion with my friend Lydia. That included stops in Amsterdam, Brussels, Belgium, and a week in Iceland. Now, I've already talked about the time that we spent in the Netherlands and Amsterdam, but during that trip, like right in the middle of it, Lydia and I took a day trip to Brussels, Belgium, and that's what we're going to be talking about specifically in this Shot Glass Diary, is just the day trip that we took to Belgium. And just to kind of catch you up, if you haven't gone back already or don't remember much from this shot glass diary that I told the story about going to Amsterdam, my friend Lydia was basically the one who put this trip together and asked me to come with her. And shout out to my friend Sarah Ann Rhodes for encouraging me to keep a journal of this trip. And I'm going to be taking excerpts from that journal as well as offering some perspective that I remember of this day trip that we took to Brussels, Belgium. And just looking at the very first couple of sentences that I put in this journal entry from the day that we went to Belgium, I literally say, it's funny how a rushing cluster... F 
turned out to be a pretty awesome day. So Lydia thought that it only took about 90 minutes to drive from where we were in Holland to Brussels, which is the capital of Belgium. But when I entered the destination into my GPS, it said it would take two hours and 45 minutes. This was 1230 when I saw this, and we needed to be at our destination for a waffle-making workshop in the city at 315. So doing the math, two hours and 45 minutes at 1230 is 315. (laughs) So we rushed out the door and just hit the road to pile the kilometers onto our Clio, which we had rented as our rental car while we were in Europe for the week. The drive itself was mostly highway, nothing really much to you know, mention in regards to scenery. It was really still weird, though, to see a digital speedometer, say 145, even though we're talking about kilometers. And it's also strange to see a speed limit sign that says 130, which is basically like 80 to 81 miles an hour. Another thing that I made a point to mention in my journal is that it's also interesting to note that European drivers do not hover in the left or passing lanes. They're always to the right unless passing, which made it easy to try to shave some minutes off our expected arrival time. Now, due to a couple of lane closures and an accident, we didn't actually arrive to the workshop until 3.40 in the afternoon, which happened to be just in time to start cooking. The only thing that we really missed was a meet and greet with a group or with the group that was there and a short walk from the town square to the studio where we would be making these waffles. There were 16 people, including us, in the workshop, and we were separated into four groups of four. The people in our group was a girl from Miami who spent most of her time looking at her phone instead of paying attention to the instructions, which became very obvious when it came time to start making the waffles. Now, I got to say, this was a pretty cool and interesting and unique idea that Lydia had come up with, and I can't really think of much baller things to do to make Belgian waffles in Belgium. Now, this workshop was to make a Brussels waffle, which is a square, usually crispier than compared to a traditional Belgian waffle, which is your softer and rounder waffle. Now, I've made waffles before, but never from scratch. And the biggest difference that I noticed was the addition of ingredients that aren't available in the United States. There's a vanilla sugar, which I usually substitute with vanilla extract, and a Belgian brown sugar that they call cassinade, which is usually used to cover the smell of the egg and the milk in the batter. So we took turns adding ingredients to the mix, my job being to whisk the mix before I excused myself to check on the car that I was sure was illegally parked. And it turns out I was parked where only police vehicles are allowed to be parked, which explained why our car was sandwiched between two cop cars when I went to go check on it. So when I went to move the car, I thought that I was moving it to a more convenient location directly in front of the studio. But before I could even finish parallel parking, a cop started knocking on my window and wagged his finger at me as if like, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, you can't park here. So I asked him where I was supposed to go. And despite his instructions, I just circled the block and ended up around the corner. By the time I returned to the workshop, the group had just finished tasting the sample waffle made with the batter that our group prepared. Afterwards, we each took turns making our waffles and enjoyed them on the same table that we prepped them on. 
So I sat between Lydia and the other girl that was in our group, who was a Texan girl who told us that she was living in England because her husband was stationed there. And Lydia insists that this girl was flirting with me, but I totally disagree. Honestly, she she was cute. But I also felt that she was maybe a little bit full of herself. Especially when talking about using pounds to describe how much things cost when she knew that we were American. But in her defense, she was also very nice and very friendly. So the toppings on this table were just plentiful. But noticeably absent was maple syrup, which actually is not available in Brussels. They have a substitute call it, which they call like a sugar icing, which basically has like the same texture as maple syrup, but a much more sugary taste. I opted to top my waffle with bananas, a Belgian dark chocolate sauce, and whipped cream, which was just phenomenal. I honestly could have eaten a second waffle, but I wanted to save room for the food tour that we were going to go on later in the evening. Once the workshop has ended and we were all full of waffles, I kind of engaged in conversation with some of the other people who were there, but not necessarily in our group. I remember specifically talking about theme parks and amusement parks with this really cool black dude from England. And then we left the workshop and just kind of did some shopping. Now, naturally, in Belgium, our first stop was for chocolate. I had bought a couple of bars for gifts, but Lydia just loaded up on the chocolate. And I definitely felt like a foreigner here with this language barrier that made it really difficult to communicate with some of the store proprietors. We started to realize that most of them spoke French, which helped a little bit because we could greet them upon entering with a bonjour and thank them with a merci and ask them if they speak English, parlez-vous anglais, and use basically my Google Translator for anything else when needed. I actually didn't know that French is the main language in Belgium. And because of so many foreigners and tourists coming to the area, that store proprietors and people in the area are more susceptible to helping and assisting you if you at least make the attempt to ask them if they speak English in French. They were much more kinder and and willing to help if we at least made the effort to talk to them in their own language instead of just saying like, hey, do y'all speak English in here? (laughs) So one of the stores that we went into was a retro video game and memorabilia store. So naturally, my nerdy ass loved it. And after walking around for a bit, I actually bought this Mega Man figurine that I still have in my house. I'll probably post a picture of that on the social media pages at Ian Strong Words. So it was getting close to the time to meet our food tour guide. So we headed to the meeting place, which took us to the town square, which is just absolutely gorgeous. Now, according to our tour guide, it's critically acclaimed to be the most beautiful part of Europe. And honestly, even though I don't have that much experience in Europe, I can't say I disagree. So Lydia went inside the chocolate store that we were supposed to meet the tour guide in front of, and I met a couple of Texans that were there for the tour. Our tour guide, a mid-20s French hipster guy named Ethier, spelled I-T-H-I-E-R, approached and asked us if we were there to meet for the food tour. He told us what his itinerary and menu was for us when we were joined by the final member of our group, this uh, this really cool Englishman. Ethier began the tour with a brief history lesson of the town square, which actually had to be rebuilt twice due to war. The oldest building, which is also the tallest, is surprisingly 
the only one to have never been blown up, but it did take over 200 years to build. It has its quirks in the design due to the multiple architects that have had their hands in it over the years, which you don't really see until it's pointed out to you, and then you can't not see it. There's different types of statues, the fact that the left side of the tower is bigger than the right side of the tower. Ethier actually joked that the original architect jumped from the tower upon its completion, which couldn't have been true because of how long it took to build. The other buildings included the King's Palace, which never lodged a king, and the gilded homes of those who do not exist anymore, with one exception, the House of Brewers, which is the home to the Guild of Beer Makers, who control and regulate all of the major Belgian beers. I'll put it to you this way. If you make a microbrew or an IPA, you're not invited to be in this building. And then finally, he gave us a short history of chocolate. He mentioned that in Belgium, there are plenty of chocolate makers, but actually a only a few chocolate masters. He said that most chocolate that say that they're made by chocolate masters is usually bullshit. And speaking of chocolate, our first stop on the tour was Chocopolis, a chocolate shop that specializes in a variety authentic Belgian chocolate. I remember walking into this place and just immediately being in awe of this amazing recreation of the town square that was in the store made completely out of chocolate. The two that we sampled were Ganache Cacao, which was a darker chocolate, and Caramel Bure Salé which is a salted, sweeter chocolate. The salt accented the taste of the chocolate and caramel in such a way that it, it's truly one of the tastiest chocolate treats that I've ever tasted in my entire life. I literally compare every piece of chocolate that I've eaten since then to that one piece of chocolate. And it's funny because I remember before we walked into this place, I remember saying to Ethier just how excited I was to try authentic Belgian chocolate, especially because having grown up next to Hershey, Pennsylvania, virtually my entire life, I was interested to taste the difference. And I remember him saying to me in his very thick French accent, we here in Belgium don't even consider Hershey's chocolate to be real chocolate. Puh. And I remember him saying kind of something similar about American beers as too. He was like, I'd, I'd much rather have a microbrew or an IPA than anything, any, any American beer except for Stella Artois. Puh. <laughs> he mainly explained to me that the reason that he doesn't like Hershey's chocolate or prefers Belgian chocolate over Hershey's chocolate is because he thinks that Hershey puts way too much milk and sugar in their chocolate and makes it too sweet to even be considered real chocolate. And I can tell you, having had some of this Belgian chocolate, I kind of agree with them. I'm not trying to, you know, besmirch the um, great American candy shop that is Hershey, Pennsylvania, but I honestly agree, having tasted the difference, that I think Belgian chocolate is far superior to Hershey's chocolate, so much so that I've actually noticed that I do not eat as much chocolate as I used to because I can't handle just how sweet it is. When I was a kid, I used to hate dark chocolate. I thought it was too bitter. I thought it needed more sugar. But as I've gotten older and I've gotten to try and sample some of the chocolates from around the world, I can honestly say that I prefer a dark Belgian chocolate over virtually any other chocolate in the world. Once we left the chocolate place, the next stop on our tour is where we spent most of it, which was a place called Chez Patrick. The decor, I remember, was really neat. There was a collection of hats that you could see all throughout the place from all of Belgian history, and there we ate a croquette de clavette, 
which is a delicious shrimp croquette made with these super tiny shrimp. And then our second starter was a plate of mussels made in this bowl with onion and celery and some kind of like buttery chicken stock. The mussels were soft and tender and juicy. They, they really didn't need any additional butter at all. And Ethier educated us that the proper way to eat mussels isn't with a fork, but with a used or empty shell, which you use to clasp and hold as you eat, which blew my mind because I've never seen that before. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Let me know if you have, but I've never seen that before. Our main course was, I'm going to butcher this, asparagus a la jamande, which was a white asparagus garnished with a zesty topping that contained pepper and parsley, brulets mogolinias, which is a veal and pork meatball in a tasty sweet tomato sauce that kind of tasted like Chef Boyardee, just the sauce, I mean, and fritas, which is just their word for fries. The asparagus was surprisingly very flavorful, and the tomato sauce that contained the meatballs went really well with the fries. And then before taking us for dessert, we went for a 20-minute walk around the city. We saw some great architecture, some you know amazing murals that were dedicated to famous Belgian comics, like the Smurfs, and the national symbol of Belgium, which is a fountain of a little boy taking a piss. <laughs> it's true. There's two legends as to the origin of this pissing boy. The first was that the boy was outside the corner pub where it was not uncommon for a four-year-old to drink, and he pissed in a corner on what was later discovered to be a bomb, which was big enough to blow the entire square, and thus the boy saved the town. That's just legend number one. The second legend was the story of a wealthy Belgian whose son went missing during the French Revolution while Brussels was being bombed, and after days of searching, was nonchalantly found pissing on a fire in that corner. It's their national symbol, similar to, like, our Statue of Liberty, or the Eiffel Tower is in Paris. And they mainly just keep it as a symbol of a Belgian sense of humor. Our stop for dessert was at a Mo Cafe for a Brussels waffle and the most delicious hot chocolate I've ever tasted in my whole life. They heat the milk and then melt Belgian chocolate in the milk. The waffle was similar to like the one that we made in the workshop, the, the crispier rectangular one, like a wafer. And then our final stop on this tour, which before I even get to that, I just want to mention just how gorgeous this walk was as we went from place to place. I got some great pictures of it. You know, I'll post it on the social media pages. It's it's just an amazing place to be. I couldn't have asked for a better tour guide. But before I get too far ahead of myself, our final stop on the tour was at a local bar called St. Nicholas, where we sampled a potent chocolate beer called Rochefort 10 which if you hold the glass up to light, you can see little pieces of chocolate in it, like a sediment that you can't really taste unless you enjoy it with a piece of dark chocolate. Now, you're probably thinking chocolate and beer don't really go all that well together, Ian. That sounds disgusting. But I can tell you from experience. I mean, you know me. I, don't, I haven't had a drink in almost seven years, but I did you know, just taste this just because I needed to know what a chocolate-infused beer tasted like, and then also kind of chase it with a small piece of chocolate. Which, I mean, ultimately, it kind of makes it more of a dessert beer than one that you would drink to get drunk. But 
after a fantastic and delicious tour, it was time to say goodnight to Ethier for the evening. He was very gracious in writing down the names of all the places that we went and all the things that we had eaten so that I can chronicle it in my journal and on this shot glass diary. And I just want to add here, again, giving credit where it's due, that doing these walking food tours, you may remember the one that I talked about doing in Amsterdam, and I have another one that we've also done in Iceland, is such a phenomenal, fantastic idea Not just because you're going to be going to restaurants that you may not go to while you're in this city. Not just because you're going to be trying things that you may see on a menu and not know what they are, so you skip them. Not just so you can sample some of the tastes and flavors of these places that you're checking out. But these tour guys are so well-educated and so passionate about what they do, especially in the regards to the knowledge and history of the areas that you would be walking through that part of the tours I had no idea that these would actually be included as part of the tours but it turned out to be some of my favorite parts of this entire trip were these walking food tours they blew every expectation that I had out of the water not just because the food was delicious but because the rest of the tour including the history lessons and some of the sites that you would see along the way were so amazing so after that we just made our drive back to Holland which was also kind of interesting because Everybody there thought that it was insane to drive from Holland to Brussels. Like, for us, that's like the equivalent of, you know, driving from Harrisburg to, like, not even Pittsburgh. But to them, that kind of traveling in a car is, like, almost unheard of. Not a big deal to me. I've been on much longer trips than that. You know that because you listen to Shot Glass Diaries here on the show. But it was a really cool day, a really cool trip. We we I can't imagine being able to fit anything else than what we could have done in this one trip. But as kind of an epilogue that I didn't you know, put in my journal because this didn't take place until after we got home from the trip, I will just warn you right now, even though, as I mentioned before, the traffic is real easy to maneuver through and kind of speed through to try to shave off time, don't do it. Don't speed as you're going through there. I know I may sound like a hypocrite right now, but when we return home, we were greeted in the mail with about three speeding tickets that they got because they use video technology in order to tell whether or not somebody's speeding. And because we had a rental car, the rental car company charged us an additional fee on top of the ticket itself in order to pay it off. So watch your speed as you're driving through Europe. And before I sign off from the shot glass diary, I'm just going to do a little description of the shot glass itself, which I bought after our food tour, but before we drove back from Belgium. And I got it at a little souvenir shop. It has, you know, some of the buildings from that beautiful town square that I had mentioned. It has some of the monuments and statues that I saw during the walking food tour as we were walking from place to place. And, of course, I made sure that it had a little boy pissing, which to me is still amazing that that's their national symbol. But I I love this shot glass. I'm definitely glad that I got it in our day in Belgium and... If you want to hear more about this trip and you haven't heard it already, you can go back to my two-part Shot Glass Diary in which I talked about the week that we spent in the Netherlands slash Amsterdam, as well as the week that we spent in Iceland. So I hope that you enjoyed this volume of Shot Glass Diaries. And as always, if you'd like to see pictures of the Shot Glass or pictures that I took on this trip, you can see them on my social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Ian Strong Words. If you've ever been to Brussels, 
I'd love to hear from you and hear what your experience was like. So shoot me a DM there or email me at strongwordspodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, follow, or subscribe so you never miss an episode. Leave me a rating and review. And most importantly, share my social media posts as it is the best way to support the show and spread the strong words. So that'll do it for another episode of Strong Words with Ian Strong. Come back next week as I have a huge guest lined up for you who I can't even tell you yet because technically I haven't recorded the interview yet. But if it works out, we'll be one of the biggest guests in the history of the show. I've had some big ones, and this is right up there with them. But in the meantime, and in between time, as I say every episode, stay safe out there. Spend a little time every day doing something that you love. And if you got something to say, keep your words strong. How strong? Being strong. Strong words!